Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by our Central Division expert, Zach Carson, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Bucks, Bulls, Cavs, Pacers, and Pistons. Zach, the Bucks had, a, had uh, landed a really big trade over the weekend, getting P.J. Tucker. Um, what do you really think that that trade is going to mean for them, and, and where do you think they go from here? So that trade was huge for a bunch of reasons. Not only that we have B.J. Tucker now, who's an incredible defender, great locker room guy, and great corner three shooter, which a lot of our offense runs through the corner threes. We were able to, when we got Rodion's Crooks, and then also traded Tory Craig for no player, just for cash considerations, which is nothing. It's just cap relief. So the Bucks went from $441,000 under the hard cap to $3.5 million under the hard cap with now two roster spots. So now we're going to explore the buyout market. And even though we did trade our backup point guard, DJ Augustine, we have two guys that we're looking at, Isaiah Thomas and Jarrett Jack, to fill our backup PG role and anybody else that comes available on the buyout market. So that was a huge trade because we made cap room, got a great defender, good shooter, and two roster spots. When you put it that way, it goes so much further than just a player-for-player transaction. What, do you, what, do, what, are the, what about the Bucks this week in, in general, and how do you think that he, uh, P.J. Tucker is going to mend with this team? I mean, P.J. is a perfect fit. He's been struggling this year. He's shooting 31% from three. That's just because he's been unhappy. The offense hasn't been steady. New coach, new system. But there's a reason he's paid. he has a $32 million contract as a 36 year old. And it's because his locker room presence is unbelievable. He's a vocal defender. He's a lockdown defender. And a Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, and Tucker lineup, it's hard to score against them. And so what makes this trade even more impressive is that by rule, according to the CBA, you're not allowed to trade first round picks in back-to-back years if it's not a part of the same deal. And the Bucks had to get rid of almost all their picks with Drew Holiday. So they were not actually able to make this trade unless it was only with the Rockets because the Rockets had the Bucks 2022 first round pick, which they got from Cleveland in the Kevin Porter Jr. deal. And so they gave us our own first round pick back for 2022. And we gave them our 2023 first round pick, one to nine protected, which it obviously won't fall one to nine, which was the only way that this trade could be eligible. So they gave us our own pick back and we just pushed the pick back one year. Still gave him the two players, DJ, both DJs, DJ Wilson, DJ Augustine. But it was a very impressive move by John Horst to be able to do that. And then with PJ Tucker, since PJ has been on the Rockets for more than three years, he has bird rights, which means we can re-sign him for a two-year $17 million extension at the end of the year, which we'll see how that goes. If he plays well, we might look into doing that. But he is a 36-year-old with maybe two years left. Hopefully he could play at the same capacity. But Giannis's contract, his salary is going to jump about $20 million. There's going to be a lot of games we play with the uh, stay under the luxury tax and hard cap. Awesome breakdown of just how the ramifications that this trade has and all the rules and regulations that go into it. Um, another team in your division that might, might look to have some roster changes is the Ch- uh, Chicago Bulls with their buyout of auto border. Uh, what do you think is happening for the Bulls in that, uh, in, that, in that situation? So the Bulls are five and five in their last 10, two and three post all-star break. I don't know what their goals are with wanting to buy, wanting to sell. I expect them to sell more than to buy because Zach Levine has his values at an all-time high. Otto Porter Jr.'s $27 million expiring contract could potentially be bought out and a team like LA would probably pick him up. Yeah, I'm not really sure the direction Chicago's going. I expect them to be sellers at the at the deadline. So if you want to be on the lookout for Otto Porter's buyout, maybe interesting. Thinking about the Bulls, are there any players that have been playing really well recently that we should be watching out for ahead of, ahead of the deadline? Well, we saw Levine's 40 points in three quarters, which was absurd. He caught fire. Patrick Williams had himself a double-double, 10 points, 14 boards. Levine last game in their loss to San Antonio had a 29-6. and 
and Larry Markin had a nice poster dunk that uh, made the highlight reel. And he's been he's been playing okay since he came back from injury. He had, uh, I think he had 10 and seven last game. I didn't see the Pacers. What are you seeing them do? Um, and and what, what do you think they can go in the, in the coming weeks? So the Pacers have really struggled as of late. They're two and eight in their last 10. They're one and three since the All-Star break. But I'll give Pacers fans a reason to relax about that. They've had a really tough schedule playing LA, Philly, Denver, Phoenix, and Brooklyn all in the past eight games. But some bright spots besides Sabonis' triple-double and Brogdon putting up 24 last game is that Karis LeVert's back. And that's got to be a sigh of relief for NBA fans in general, where he obviously had the scary, the scary discovery. But he's back. He had 19 points last night, and it's really good to see him thriving. Cool to see that there's some cool stuff going on with the Pacers, but how about the Pistons? They've been a team that was struggling early in the season, but are you seeing anything there that's given them some life now that they dealt Blake Griffin? I think the biggest winner in the Blake Griffin deal was uh, Sadiq Bey. The rookie put up 28-12 and 12 last night in their win against Toronto. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10, but I expect that to hit 500 pretty soon, 1-3 since the All-Star break. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. has been out uh, due to protocols the past two games, but he was available Wednesday and got a DNP. Hopefully that is just because they don't want to rush him back into things and not that he's becoming unplayable because I, I do see a lot of upside with him. But yeah, Sadiq Bey has been a bright spot in Detroit's organization. Finishing off with the Cavs, have you seen any updates there? Yeah, so they're trending the way I expected, upward. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They're 1-3 post-All-Star break, but they did just beat Boston in a great game. Garland and Sexton combined for 54 points. Jared Allen's been solid off the bench. And Kevin Love has been in the news recently, not for uh, the best reasons, where Sexton liked a, a post on Instagram claiming that Kevin Love stole $120 million from the, the Cavs organization, which is not a great look. And then Kevin Love very subtly shot back when he said that Kevin Porter Jr., when on Cleveland, was the best guy they had on that team. So things might be getting a little interesting. Kevin Love, I find unlikely to be bought out. I just expect this to be his last year with Cleveland, but that is something to monitor in the future, which does worry me a little bit because I do like the way Cleveland is progressing. Another, another guy to watch for in the buyout market would be Andre Drummond, although talks have died down about him signing with the Lakers, which if we're going to have, instead of having a double standard, when we could have Bucks trading for Bogdanovich a couple of days before the deadline, when Andre Drummond is signed with Cleveland and LA is already talking about signing him, I feel like they should get a punishment too, but that's just me. And going back to last week, the last game before the All-Star break with the Bucks clippers game, my prediction seems to be pretty spot on. The Bucks beat the, uh, the Clippers 105 to 100. Giannis had 36, 14, and 5, just an average day for him. Chris had 19, 6, and 8. Uh, Dante had 11 and 7. And on the other side, Kawhi had 25. Paul George had 16 points. Drew Holiday did a fantastic job locking him up. And Sergio Baca had a double-double 15 and 11. Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. Today, we're joined by a Northwest Division expert, Spencer Frank, here to break down the past week of NBA action for the Jazz, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Trailblazers. Spence, the Jazz have been hot all season, and I'm curious, are they still showing that they're the best team in the West? Uh, Record-wise, yeah, but this week they went 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Golden State and the Washington Wizards, which are both teams that are out of the playoff contention as of now. In the standings, they're still number one. And in the West, the Clippers, Lakers, and Phoenix are all within five games of the Jazz. And I think we could see some some shift in the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff standings before the season comes to an end. 
Um, I talked about it before All-Star break for the Jazz. Their focus is really to hold on to that one seed in order to avoid top-tier teams like the Lakers or the Clippers in that first round and hope for a, a deeper playoff push. But if they're losing to teams of this caliber, I don't know how, how much longer they're going to be able to hold on to that one seed. Speaking of other top teams in the West, where are the, what are the Nuggets looking all this? Yeah, they're looking good after the break. They're 3-1 and one after the break, and Jokic continues his dominance after All-Star break, I think, as we all expected. Um, he's just put, been putting up MVP numbers all season, and, and he's still my vote for MVP. As of lately, I've really noticed the Nuggets have been sharing the ball pretty well. They're top five in assists per game in the league right now. In the in the playoff standings, they're fifth spot in the West. And if the season were to end today, they'd end up matching up against the Lakers. They still have some time to move up in the playoff standings since it's such a tight race in the West and potentially avoid a team like the Lakers. And they could really and they could match up with someone like Portland, who would be a really good first round matchup for them and allow for them to get to the second or even third round. Okay. And then Moving over to the Timberwolves, maybe a team that isn't in the same spot as those other ones, but it looks like Anthony Edwards is making a late case of Rookie of the Year. Um, what do you think can happen there down in Minnesota? Yeah, the biggest thing for them was they finally got a couple wins. Um, they had a nine-game losing streak going into All-Star break, and, and I talked about the biggest thing for them being that future momentum. They're in no spot to make a playoff push or anything like that this season with COVID and so many injuries, but they really have to use this time to develop a young guy like Edwards who has been doing just that. He's really coming into his own in the second half of the season. He had 34 against Portland this week and 42 against Phoenix, and he's really show, showing his ability to score the ball with the best of them. And I think they need to just take this time to kind of develop the chemistry around that nucleus now that Towns and D'Angelo Russell are healthy and get those three guys playing together. And I really think Edwards has to take advantage of this time to show out, to try things, to get comfortable with the speed and the physicality of the NBA which could be a huge benefit for next year's team going forward. How about a team like the Thunder? Super young. Shea's been, looks like he's been playing pretty well, but what do you think they could really do, make something very useful out of these last few games of the season? Yeah, before the break, I was talking about their, them at the trade deadline looking to make some action, and I'm still really looking forward to see that. Sam Presti has always shown a willing to make big moves if he has to in order to put the team in, in a right spot, and I'm looking forward to see what kind of moves are made for them before or at the deadline. Um, like you said, Shea's really continuing to perform. He's had a couple 30-plus point games this week, um, and he's just continuing to develop. I really like their young guys as well. And Lou Dort, he had some a good playoff experience last season and can be a 3 and D guy. And if they're able to add someone at the deadline, maybe a big to pair with Shea or somebody, a good guard in the backcourt, they could really be in a good spot next year. Then wrapping things up with Dame time, I'm curious. It looks like I've, I've seen, been seeing on Twitter that Dame Lillard's had a few big high-scoring games. Has that translated to any success for the Blazers? Yeah, definitely. They're 3-2 and two after the break, and I think Dame time's really just getting started. This is around that time we usually start to see him ramp it up a little bit and get ready for the playoffs and get locked in for that uh, and get locked in for that playoff push. He had a 50 ball this week. He had 38 another game and then 36 after that. Um, just showing his knack for scoring, just so such a natural gifted score. We also saw CJ McCollum return, which is going to be huge for them. Um, his first game, he only had 10 points, but I think he'll be back to normal just after a game or two. Um, and to me, they're the toughest backcourt in the league. This is a team in the West that has to get through some tough teams if they want to make a push. But I really think they're capable of doing that, especially with those two guards in the backcourt. 
I'm looking forward to see even if they make any moves to try to get them over the hump. I don't see them making a blockbuster trade or anything like that, but maybe a role player to come off the bench and add a little scoring depth to them. 